Today's sales leaders face a difficult task, selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. A new three-day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for Managing Sales Teams and Distribution Channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me sales. That's hbs.me slash sales. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Lily Sanders. She is one of the top 15 coaching experts in New York City. Lily had spent many years as a soap opera regular, a dancer and actress on TV and movie, owned multiple franchise businesses, and spent a year as a featured Barnum & Bailey circus show dancer. She is also the author of a compelling memoir, Truth to Crime, a spiritual guide to finding your truth. Lady and I will be discussing and having a wonderful conversation about her life's journey and passion in transforming the lives and hearts of women across the nation. Good morning, Lily. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I am perfect. Just feeling great. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you on air with me this morning. Truth to Triumph, a spiritual guide to finding your truth. It's a compelling read. Congratulations on its release. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Okay. Oh, goodness. <laughs> a little background <laughs> from over 10 decades of my life. Sure. Okay. So um, I was born in Connecticut and raised in the suburbs of New York, uh, Long Island, New York, to be exact. And in in short, I was definitely that little girl with dreams and aspirations, and uh, some of my biggest dreams were actually realized by the age of 23, but not without hardship. Uh, I was raised with a violent father and a very timid mother, and there was a lot of challenges to overcome in my household and also, you know, personally. But I did have this tenacity and drive. So, you know, pushing through that and becoming a professional dancer and an actress on stage was a triumph all in itself. You know, by the time I was 23, as you may have read in, in, in Truth to Triumph, I landed uh, on Star Search with Ed McMahon. And uh, that's exactly was was my dream to be dancing on the stage and in Hollywood. And that was a really that was a a really amazing moment and experience for me. And then when I came back to New York, I was on a roll of auditioning. And then that was when I landed uh, the, the audition for a showgirl dancer with Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, which is now iconic because it's it's not on the map anymore. As as you know, it closed down last year after all these years. But that was a that was an amazing life experience because we traveled with so many different people from all over the world. And I learned about so many different cultures. Um, I'm not saying it was easy and fun, but it was hard work and it was very fulfilling and pushing through all that. 
here I was on my way to what I felt was my purpose at the time. Uh, it was a good 17 years, Johnny, that I was working as a dancer, working as an actress, and, 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 and also studying, you know, everything I could, every single methodology and, and for acting and on the stage a good 17 years. Here I am, and all of a sudden I took this 180 pivot onto what I call in Truth to Triumph, the path left mm-hmm. to center. And that was when, you know, I went, it kind of spun, things spun. I went, I got involved with one person, got married, um, highly unconscious uh, man, uh, got married, had a baby, uh, divorced. And then I started to run my own businesses and I remarried without healing, without dating, basically the first person that. (laughs) <laughs> that the universe put in my way. I, I have to laugh about it now. It was like I just didn't see that big boulder falling on top of my head at the time. <laughs> and 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 we could talk about that later. I I was running these franchises very successfully and I did it all behind a veil of silence. I was a battered wife. And that believe me, uh, uh listeners, that is not the Oscar that I was dreaming of when I was a little girl. Because, I, you know, that was not the act that I was planning on, you know, portraying. And I always uh, say it took me not one but two tall buildings to fall on my head before I had this <laughs> awakening, this epiphany, if you will. And in all seriousness, they were really amazing life lessons that got me to exactly where I am today. And I'm in a perfect place. Fantastic. How did you discover you had a talent for dancing and performing? Oh, very young in life. I was about four years old, and I used to kind of line up my siblings when if my aunts and uncles came over, and I would just always want to do even produce things. I would take the role, the leftover round uh, cylinder, that, that cardboard cylinder in the paper, uh, in the um, toilet paper, that little mm-hmm. roll that's left. And they used to kind of hold it up and pretend it was like a microphone and, you know, kind of dance around, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, you know, with, you know, my siblings. And it was just, I just always liked to be performing. And when I knew that I had the mm-hmm. talent was really much later in life. I was going to ballet class and that was my sanctuary. That was my, that was my sanctuary away from home, away from the domestic violence, away from the fear, mm-hmm. away from everything at home. And truly, uh, it was my sanctuary. And I, I also didn't realize, though, that um, I had great talent until I became driven, where I really started to see my vision and really, you know, drive forward to, mm-hmm. to chase that, to chase that and make it happen. And then I realized, you know, that, um, oh, yeah, I've got this. I got this down. <laughs> You know, but it's not without a lot of hard work. You know, you've got to really work <laughs> at your, like anything else that anyone does, listeners would know, anything that you, you could really like something and want to do something and not really be good at it, right? But then you could like something and really want something and you could be good at it, but then it's up to you to make that choice to be extraordinary mm-hmm. at it, to excel, to be you know, on the top of your game. And that, that takes uh, perseverance and hard work. So true. When did you find spirituality 
in your journey? Oh, boy. Okay. So interesting question, Johnny, because some people, they get a little twisted or they're not really sure what that even means, spirituality. And, and it's really very simple. If it's not of the flesh where you're touching, you know, your, your body, if it's not something with your body, then it's spirit. And truly, I started searching for what was more in me other than this body, this talented dancer and actress and performer. I started searching for that spirit in me back in the 80s. And mm-hmm. that was basically when I was also auditioning. But, but when I really, really found it or when I just – there was kind of a portal just opening for me was in the mid nineties. And that was, um, uh, that was when I wasn't listening to spirit. I was just kind of, it was kind of knocking. Then fast forward when I was, you know, in the, in, in the height of, of, of being a battered wife, I basically, I found it when I just was ready to, accept it. And that was, you know, a pivotal time for me. And I'm going to say that was in uh, 2000 and uh, 2007, 2008. Very, very interesting. The reason why I asked that question is I've interviewed a few entertainers. I find that, and they themselves told me that beyond the initial glamour, the excitement, the wonderful feeling of elation, and then uh-huh. there's something missing from within inside, the balance. And yes. that's when spirituality side of the equation comes in. Not only that, since you are a very talented person since you were a child, in all actuality, it's within you already. It's just waiting to come out, I guess. Exactly. That would be the best way exactly. to put it. Yes. And, and, I, and I think I told you when I found it, but you know, it, how I found it was, mm-hmm. was really was – really, almost like this universal two by four kind of, you know, whacked me and said, okay, (laughs) are you, are you you ready yet? And, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I never use the word random because I don't believe anything is random, but I would, I remember I even talked about this in truth to triumph. I was going into this bookstore, this very old bookstore in uh, Greenwich village. And I was searching and, you know, I came out with, you know, a self-help book. And I remember it was uh, Louise L. Hay. And that was my first kind of vacation to affirmations. Uh, and you want, to, you want to hear something funny, listeners. I never even read the book. I read the title. I opened up and I kind of, kind of thumbed through some pages. I went back to that bookstore and I bought cassette uh, tapes, which is dating me. <laughs> Those days, that's what we had, yes. And and because I was really interested in learning how to do affirmations. See, my mm-hmm. body was was my body was was in great shape, but my spirit wasn't. My spirit knew it. I knew that I was really searching to go inward. So that was kind of one of the reasons how I started to find it. And then, then fast forward. Uh, again, another book. This is why I love books. You know. Mm-hmm. The same messages are out for, for, for centuries, 
But sometimes it takes a specific person that that just kind of nails it the right way on pages, on, you know, on a page that will relate to someone else that someone else can resonate with. But it's really the same message all the time, isn't it? I mean, it's all about mm-hmm. love. So true. So that particular life epiphany led you to the voyage of self-discovery. How does that eventually evolve in the sense of empowering you that you made the shift from looking through the lens of fear to looking through the lens of love? Ah, okay, good question. So the shift has to take place. You've got to take the shift. You are responsible for your own change in life. And when you're ready for the shift to awareness and and, and remembrance of love, self-love that is, that awakening, that's when it will birth an intense sense of peace as well. You've got to, you've, look, people, you've got to make this shift because um, when we're living in fear, we're not living in love. And we need to live in love. We only transform through love. Transformation only takes place through love. That's the only way we can transform. Everything else are all derivatives of fear. You, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, the, whatever comes with that, disappointment, hurt, blame, self-blame, um, depression, addictions, abuse, all of that, shame, all of that are all, they all are derivatives of fear. There's only one, you know, which by the way, that's a common denominator that universally, you know, people all share. We all have fear. And, 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 and we all have pain from fear, but when we take that shift and we begin to look through the lens of love, as you put it, which is beautiful, now everything that really is important and everything that really matters in life becomes crystal clear. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. When did you personally, from the standpoint of, Having mentioned just now on the air, as well as in your book, you grew up in an environment that you have an abusive male, first as your father, and then, of course, you married one. So what happened is that environment is, whether it's fear or love, is the only environment you knew. What triggered you to see the difference? Difference between, you mean, okay, and by the way, it was two, those two marriages in a row were both Mm -hmm. very abusive. Right. And and what was even more astounding to me is uh, when you mentioned, okay, so there was growing up with my dad, then 17 years of zero abuse in my life. You know, I, 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 you know, I had one or two people that were, you know, that I loved in my life. And but I was I was often running to this career as a dancer and an actress. So I wasn't getting married. I wasn't you know, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't settling down. What makes me, what makes someone as a listener 17 years later suddenly fall, fall into that same, you know, that same environment? It, it almost sounds crazy. Well, it is because <laughs> it is because what people think is, you know, the, I talk about truth to triumph. I kind of unlock these myths that people mm-hmm. are taught about domestic violence. And some of the things are, you know, they're real, they're really disturbing what people think because people don't, someone is not 
someone doesn't marry or remarry someone because they're attracted to someone hurting them or they're attracted to violence or they're attracted to, you know, someone putting them down. It's really all about what's not going on within self. So at that point in my life, I really had, I wasn't seeing myself separate from, uh, um, from my body. I wasn't seeing that spiritual side of me yet. And I was not loving it. I wasn't loving what some people call the inner child. You know, everyone calls it something different Uh, for, you know, for the sake of this conversation, I'll call it the inner child, but I really just call it self. You know, I wasn't loving Mm -hmm. myself and why wasn't I loving myself? And why did I wind up falling back into that trap was because yes, they were conditioned mind patterns that were telling me from when I was a child growing up in that environment that really became kind of etched in me. It became the mental summary of myself, if you will. And mm-hmm. I talk about that's why we need to turn, you know, turn things around, make a shift. And also I, I want to make this really, really crystal clear to listeners. Not everyone goes back into a violent situation or domestic violence. However, it doesn't mean that they peeled and it doesn't mean that they're not, they're not still living that conditioned mind pattern because many times what will happen. And I do talk about this in truth to triumph as well. It can resurface with addiction. Uh, many people, they may not go back into a marriage that, you know, or may not be living in a household that was like their own, but they're an alcoholic. Um, they're addicted to pills. They're, they can't sleep at night, not for 30 years. They're addicted to sleeping pills to go to sleep at night. They are um, very uh, combative in their relationships with their spouses, friends, coworkers, children. There are many spinoffs to how it affects you. Uh, you know, I was the one that span off, uh, you know, mine went into domestic violence, but I walked around loving everyone. I walked around, you know, outwardly, you know, happy. And I was putting on again, I, there was that Oscar that I was running, you know, I was paving the ways of that red carpet, you know, no one was going to know how bad it was behind my doors. <laughs> I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. And by the way, um, we are not here to fix other people in life. That's not our job here. Uh, and, and don't even think for a moment that you can. We're really mm-hmm. only here to love and to express love. And that's why we're here. So true. Why did you decide to write Truth to Triumph? You know, Johnny, I felt that if I didn't write Truth to Triumph, everything that I had gone through, all of the pain and the suffering would just go in vain. And so I, I, I also wanted to really, I felt, I felt strong pull, you know, much more than a tug, to be a voice for those people that today are in a bad situation, in any situation in their life, that have not found their truth. Because for, you know, for, for me, you know, what I did was I put together this mindful selection of true stories and uh, first time revealed stories. Never before I told these stories. And uh, a lot of the stories are very raw, as you know, because you read it, personal to me. But it's mm-hmm. not about the stories. It's not about the stories. It's about the insight and the inspiration that leads you to your own path of knowing, of finding your truth and, and learning how to navigate through life without losing yourself. And that's why I wrote Truth to Triumph. And, um, you know, I help, 
I, I'm not an advocate of this or that. I help, uh, I coach plenty of men as well. It's really all about self-love. I don't, uh, I don't advocate, uh, I'm not an advocate just for women. I love women and they're my sisters, of course, my soul sisters. And, but I help a lot of men, women, and uh, teenagers. And uh, I think it's really super important for us to really continue to build that, that culture of self-love and, um, you know, and just begin healing around the globe. So true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Lily Sanders. She is one of the top 15 coaching experts in New York City and the author of a compelling memoir, Truth to Triumph, a spiritual guide to finding your truth. Lily, how can this book help the readers? book is going to help the readers um, by... Again, when I said the stories are in there, what it's going to do is uh, the stories are underscored and uh, outline this uh, way, a portal, insight um, to help people find their own path of fi- and, and finding their truth. You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, everyone kind of, we kick that word around, what's your truth or truth mm-hmm. or you know, but honestly, I'm very, very specific about teaching people, and this is this is what you would get from Truth to Triumph, is is it, is inviting people to take their own journey, and 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 how does Truth to Triumph do that? By really what came out of the stories by learning. I find that it's very, very helpful in learning how to specifically navigate through all of life situations without losing your truth. And first, how do you find your truth? Second, you know, these are the things that people will learn from that. Second is what is truth? And then how do you find it? You know, there's those three, you know, three key questions. Uh, you know, who am I and, and why am I here? And how do I navigate through life without losing my truth? And that's what people will gain from truth to triumph. And there's, of course, there's, you know, a, a whole, you know, a whole bunch of things in there, which I might discuss later on before we, before we uh, close today, actually. Wonderful. In your book, one of the interesting phrases that you have is parents having an addiction to being right. So what do you mean by that? Oh, yes. Okay. So, in, so in truth to triumph for listeners uh, that have not read the book yet, uh, I, I talk about this one experience with my father and my brother. And, um, you know, my father had many rules. And one of them was we could not do anything after school. We couldn't join any kind of, you know, activities after school. We couldn't join any any sports after school, nothing like that. And that's why ballet class was the one thing I was allowed to do. So, you know, that was a sanctuary for me. But going back to addiction to being right. So my brother, um, he wound up joining a sport anyway he came home uh one day um before my dad came home from work and um and and but he had come home with this broken ankle um something was up with his ankle uh it was it was really bad and um my father came home from work and he was beyond livid and that was the first time i ever heard my father actually curse because my father wasn't a cursor and and he began to beat him. 
I mean, with this bad ankle, proving he wanted to prove how this is why we don't do anything after school. And, 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 you know, you disobeyed me and, and he went on and on and on and on. And all I kept thinking was, you know, wow, what an addiction, you know, to being right that parents have, like you have to, why do parents have to prove that you see, this is, this is why we don't do this. You see, this is why everything that I tell you, I have rules and I'm right. Like they always need to prove that. And it's an addiction because really what should have happened or the, the better choice would have been, you know, to act out in peace and act out in love and choose the love choice. You know, although you might be disappointed as a parent, you don't have to prove that, you know, you're right about something. What you knew, what you, what you should prove is that you love your child, pick up your child, bring your child to the hospital instead of, you know, throwing him around and, you know, and, 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 and making him hurt even more physically. So th- these are things that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of parents were guilty of that, you know, do what I say, why? Because I'm your mother, do what I say, why? Because I'm your father, you know, that kind of thing. And we always feel like we have, you know, we have to be right about everything. But I really beg to differ. There are, you know, as a coach now, and, and I coach men and women, um, a lot of people are becoming more and more conscious. Thank goodness we, we are beginning to wake up in a world that has been asleep. And, and that's a great thing. So uh, I, I, I love to, you know, help parents kind of take that shift away from constantly, you know, that constant addiction to like needing to be right all the time. Because if you like that with your children, you're also like that with your spouse. If you like that with your spouse, you're probably like that with your coworkers. It's, it's something that is kind of a characteristic that can be cleared. Very, very interesting. You also wrote something that's very interesting as well to me in regards to teaching children love. Can you elaborate mm-hmm. on the concept of teaching children love through experience and not language? Yes, that's a great question. So uh, in truth to try if I say, you know, teach your children love, not language. Um, because this, you know, marshy quagmire, if you will, of vocabulary, it really limits us as parents, it limits our children. It puts our children even in a prison because in allowing experience as a teacher in this classroom of life, as we call it many times, you're opening the door to really infinite possibilities of growth in your child's life and, and also in, in your life as a parent. And you and your children are really in this world to expand beyond the vocabulary of self um, that we were taught. And, and so let me, let me elaborate a little bit on that. Let me give you a very simple uh, analogy. So mm-hmm. we raise our children, you know, from very, very young, you know, as parents, we, the ego kicks in and we want them to, we want them to talk quick. We want them to talk full sentences quick. We want them, you know, all of these things that, you know, because it's proving to yourself and to the world that, Ooh, you know, my child is smart or my child is, you know, you know, is going to, you know, save the world one day, you know, my child is just, you know, he's ahead of this child or he's ahead in this class or he's going to be, you know, reading in no time. So we start to teach our child things and not to say we shouldn't, but just to give you an example of love, uh, love to experience and not language. So you take your child into um, a wooded area 
let's say, and you point at the tree. Okay. So you, you know, you say, or a flower, let's say, and you point at that flower and you say, oh, what is that? All right. Your child says, uh, and you say flower, you teach a child flower, how to say the flower, right? What color is that flower? Is that a red flower? Red flower. So do you see the red flower? You know, so we, this is how we're conditioned and this is how we learn. This is how we teach our children. This is how, this is what we do. But what if you took that same child on that same morning and you point to that same flower? What if you let your child describe what your child sees? What if you let your child examine beauty of what that flower is in their eyes and what they feel from that flower? Almost like when we look at the flower and the red flower, we say, oh, yeah, that's a red rose because that's what we're taught. But what if you were to look at it differently? What if you were to look at, look at it again through the lens of love? What if you looked at it and said, this is beautiful, it's bright, it's vibrant, it, it smells, you know, so fragrant. It makes all of my senses feel good. I feel love when I look at this beauty. Just so that's my analogy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I think you meant to have the child express what his experiences or her experiences after you obviously may have to identify the rose. Well, this is a sunflower. What do you see? And that's the very mm-hmm. interesting concept in terms of, okay, we know it's a sunflower, but then I see the middle of the sunflower more than I see the paddles, so to speak, to give an example, versus for some others may see the yellowness of the sunflower as a big thing. Yes, yes. So that's what you, of, you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yes, instead of talking about what you've learned, oh, yeah, these become seeds, you take them out, you dry them, and people use them in, you know, for different things to heal, like that, as opposed to that, yes. It's what do you take out of that experience? What do you feel from that experience in this very, in this very moment? And the same thing, and, and this is really, really important because what this does is it, it, it really helps the child explore their world as they see it in their own identity they begin to identify their natural self and how their natural self plays out in this physical world that we call life. So true. Coming back to you, we talked about the fact that how you came from the environment, the household that the male was abusive. And for a while there, of course, growing up, that's kind of a, we're the product of our environment, so to speak. And then followed up with the two men that you got married with. And then mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, you basically found out that, wait a minute now, I am a codependent. I'm in a codependency relationship. So how did you find that out? Oh, yes. I discovered that when, uh, that's pretty simple, when I realized that I was really alienated from a lot of my family and friends. You know, what I did, where what I wore, what I thought to wear, what I, where I went, um, what time I went, everything I, I realized I needed um, permission for. And 
at the same time, I realized that this person, this person needed to feel that he had control over me. And um, it, it's almost like a rush, you know, for someone who is, who is, you know, very emotionally abusive or mentally abusive. They need to have that power. They need to have that control over you. And so, you know, you know, that he needed me just as much as, you know, I needed to be in that relationship to find myself, which came out to be a good thing. And for him, you know, he has his own journey. So he's got to find that, figure that out for himself, you know, in his, in his journey. But he was very, very much needing someone like me that he could paint the world with. And, you know, I just became that paintbrush. I was his tool, basically. What's interesting is that what you mentioned is correct from that perspective. And then on the flip side, though, what's interesting, you'll find that it's because that I love you. I don't want you to get hurt. So I need to know wherever you go. I need to know what you do. And if yeah, I don't that's care, all the lies, though. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah, I, you know where I'm coming from. So you understand oh, what I'm yes, saying? I it's know. Like... <laughs> yes. Yes. Do, do you remember? Um, do you remember the part in Truth to Triumph when I talked about that? That was actually my mm-hmm. son's father, and I. Uh, that was when I, I. That's when I began to identify myself as this paintbrush that I had just mentioned, mm-hmm. if you will. You know, kind of absorbing all the colors of the palette, you know, magnificently. And, you know, I became like this magic wand for him. Um, and, and then it did become, um, it's like pretty soon that paintbrush will become a part of them and they will intuitively know how they can really maneuver it as they wish. And this is all part of the manipulation. And, um, you know, this, you know, this is really how and why people experience this controlling relationship. And, you know, how can an artist paint on his canvas without his magic wand, right? Mm -hmm. And so then all of a sudden, it looks, it appears, or they manipulate you into believing that, you know, you're his beloved tool. You know, my, you know, my son's father used to say, we move as one, you know, well, that's ridiculous. We don't move as one. I'm one person, you're one person, and we're both independent and we both should be complete. And, and I say this to listeners now, because even when you're, you know, when you're in this great relationship and you, you still feel that, uh, you know, um, that could be because you're complete when you're complete with yourself and then another person is complete with themselves. And those two complete beings come together. The, the, you know, the potential for a beautiful and harmonious matrimony is, is there, you know. Um, but not all, you know, not all, I say this in Truth to Triumph too, not all marriages are made in heaven. In fact, many of them are made in hell. And they're <laughs> not really, <laughs> and they're not meant, you know, to last for more than X amount of years. And, and, and but they are meant to bring you to that point of, 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 of self-growth, to bring you to that point where you can finally say, okay, I'm ready 
I'm ready to let this go, move on, and I'm ready to really learn, again, who I am, why I'm here. And then from that point, once you have that, that love, self-love, you can navigate, do learn how to navigate through all life situations, which is very much of everything that I, that I speak about and teach. So true. Why is overcoming hate and revenge so important? Mm. Well, uh, good question. Well, both of them do not exercise love, right? So that would be, that would be the first thing. And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, for me, um, I experienced a lot of hate and revenge um, from, you know, during my divorce, well after the divorce um, for years. And I talk about this in Truth to Triumph. And uh, it was a nightmare. In, in plain English, it was a nightmare because I don't forget, I was trying to raise this beautiful child, raising a child, and you still have your ex-spouse exercising hate and revenge. You know, no matter which way you turn, it's just, you know, he's just there, you know, constantly exercising this. And that constant harassment, you know, being dragged in and out of court um, and, and, you know, just playing kind of very silly, unmindful, unconscious games, all in the name of, all in the name of hate, uh, will mm-hmm. really, really destroy the people in your life that you feel that you love. Like, it'll destroy your child. Um, because it's really destroying, you know, the, the being that's trying to raise the child. And, and, and by the way, I, I say this in Truth to Triumph. How in the world can anyone raise a child with this insanity? And, and what do you suppose a child will learn through these experiences? And I'm talking about specifically, you know, people that have, you know, that are supposed to be co-parenting. And instead, this hate and revenge just goes on and on for years on end. And what I found is that no matter what the circumstances is, are, uh, um, you know, had I, had I personally, and this is why I like to, you know, speak of my own experience so people can resonate and, and maybe see it in their own, in their experience, had I just acceptance of all the nonsense I would have gotten to the same place without all of the suffering. Meaning, I, I knew that this person was going to continuously exercise the hate and the revenge. But if mm-hmm. I accepted that and not tried to change that, and I really just kept hold of my own power and the power of love that was really looking to really burst through me and out from me, I would have gotten to the same place after all, you know, in and out of the courts and after all the different, you know, ridiculous experiences, but in, I would have gotten there with peace because I would have been not allowed that kind of experience to affect me, who I was and the love in myself. So you know, I always say that, uh, again, we're not going to change anyone else. Really, our only job is to really love ourselves and express love. And that's, that's, you know, one of the reasons, that's the only reason why we're, why we're here. But to play the game and, you know, and, and throw it back and, you know, acceptance really brings a sense of peace. And, and it really allows 
us to see very, very clear in our minds, crystal clear, uh, and be still and know, right? Stillness of the heart, be still and know. There's no greater resolve than peace. And I would really like to emphasize that to all of the listeners today. No matter what your life situation is, no matter what it is, there's no greater resolve than peace. Do you want to take, make that choice for peace? And, and if there's, you know, anyone who can relate, you know, to any of this, you know, this, this kind of behavior that I'm talking about mm-hmm. now in, 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 in your divorce situations and listeners, then that's why I ask you to learn from my lesson and just let it go. It doesn't really matter. There's two words I say in truth to triumph. So what? Who cares? I, you know, just, just be aware of the situation and without judging it or without judging others, just peacefully let it go. Make the choice to let it go. The bottom line is that you maintain your inner peace. And because you need that inner peace to raise your child, your child needs peaceful parents so that they can feel peace as well. This is all part of, ex- of teaching love through experience as well. Teaching your child love through something that just happened or you're teaching your child hate and revenge through something that just happened. Again, circling back to that, you know, teaching love through experience. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Lily Sanders. She's one of the top 15 coaching experts in New York City and the author of a compelling memoir, Truth to Triumph, A Spiritual Guide to Finding Your Truth. We're having a conversation about her life's journey and passion in transforming the lives and hearts of women across the nation. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. What you just said just now, Lily, it sounds like if people were to be lacking of self-love and insecurities, wouldn't that fuel their denial? That's a good question. Um, in, in the way I term things, so to speak, I mean, we obviously have to speak with vocabulary words that we would be able to speak. <laughs> I, I, my particular vocabulary is this. It's not that we have a lack of self-love. You either have self-love or you do not. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And, what, and when we have the absence of self-love, that is when we live in fear. And denial is one of those derivatives that spin off from fear, as I said in the, at the top of the hour about, you know, how fear you know, it comes out in many disguises, many faces, many emotions, and denial, insecurities, that's all part of fear. So when we have the absence of love in our life, absence of self-love in our life, then that is when fear will come knocking every single time. And um, I'm not saying that when you live in self-love that fear doesn't come knocking, because trust me, it, it, it comes knocking. It never misses an opportunity to come knocking. But what I'm saying is, believe it. Mm-hmm. Don't believe fear. Don't believe, you know, whatever fear is telling you, uh, it, whether it's, you know, insecurities or, or denial or anything else. Just don't believe it. You have to remember that, you know, fear is only an illusion. And why right? is that? Because it's, because it's not absolute. The only thing that's absent, absolute is 
what's right here in the here and now in this moment. And that's not even necessarily an experience that's going on in this moment. Um, what, look, when, how can we fear something that hasn't happened yet? How can we fear something that's an illusion? How can we fear something that in our mind we are saying may happen, may happen tomorrow if we do this, if we do that? Um, you know, that's something that is an illusion of the mind and rewiring the commentary in your mind and really being extremely, extremely mindful of, of what dialogue that's going on in the mind that you allow yourself to accept as truth is huge because we could never stop you know, thoughts from coming in. All thoughts are going to come in constantly. You know, it's like constantly, even while you're meditating. But that's the beauty of meditating is eventually when you become very mindful and you become very, very present, you do this until the mind, you can shut the chatter off and until it comes to a complete stop. And so, you know, when we're living in fear and we're living through uh, the lens of fear and we're living uh, and believing the constant chatter in the mind and that dialogue that's going on, that's when believing that fear is really true, when it's an illusion. Again, where, you know, you're afraid of something that hasn't happened. You're afraid of maybe you have, you know, some special, Okay, you talked about entertainers. You know, maybe you have a special, uh, you know, a show that you have to do this evening. You know, uh, are you going to be in the moment right now? Are you going to be in the moment, you know, um, and, 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 and stay in character or rehearse what you're doing now? Or are you going to be in your mind and be afraid that you're going to, you know, maybe go up a line while you're on stage like four hours from now? That's ridiculous. How can you be afraid of something that hasn't happened? And, 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 and by the way, I want listeners to know that the mm-hmm. more you, the more you really continue to listen to fear, to the illusion of things that, you know, uh, uh, things that may happen, it will become the mental summary of of of, of what you think of yourself as well. Like insecurities, so true. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. How did telling your story help you heal personally? Oh, okay. So I was, when I sat to write Truth to Triumph, much of my healing uh, had already taken place. Um, It wasn't so much cathartic for me writing it. But what was really, really special to me while writing it was that many of the chapters especially the last three, they just, I, I mean, they, the words just flew out of my fingers onto the keyboard and I went back and I said, Oh, did I write that? And I, and then I went back and I did edit, uh, went to edit and I, I needed to edit nothing. And I, I knew that it just came directly from spirit. And to me, that was really an amazing, just amazing feeling of um, just my connection and my feeling and of connection to oneness. And I knew that, I knew that this book would be 
a really a nice portal for many people in finding their own truth. There was one place, though. There was a small percentage of healing for me that went, and uh, I don't know if you remember, but while I was writing Truth to Triumph, uh, listeners, my father died. And, you know, you can't make that stuff up. So that went right into the book, exactly the time when my father died. And um, so that was very, you know, just organically put in there. And that that was really, uh, that was a nice healing chapter for me. Yeah, because I, you know, I, again, I'm all about love. I'm all about letting go of the stories, you know, and I, uh, it, with everything that I went through, I loved my father dearly. And I, 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 I do hope that that was, that was expressed uh, uh, when you were reading it, Johnny. I'm not sure if you, you know, you felt that. Yes. Well, it's a healing process in the sense that it's a revelation as you're writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this whole thing comes to a close, I guess. That would be the best way for me to say. Rather yeah, than if totally. something lingers on and on and on. It's like the closure happens. That's it. It's yeah, over with. Exactly. Yeah. And so it was. It was. And what was really nice about it and also like a revelation and also, yes, definitely healing was that. I felt, uh, yeah, there was closure, but the closure really came when I just, you know, I was doing the last edits and, you know, because of these stories and because they're very personal to me, I also had to be super, super sensitive toward my family members, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm not an only child. So, you know, I, <laughs> I, and, and also to my son. So um, I hope uh, I, 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 I trust that things were written eloquently and sent and, and with sensitivity and love. And that was my intent, you know, uh, when I finished the book. And I also, um, also wanted to help other people heal. Very interesting. What was the most compelling moment in your life's journey thus far? The most compelling moment, you know, I, I this is probably, this may not come as a surprise, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it may. But just off the top of my, you know, my head and just from my heart for asking me this question, the most compelling moment was when I had my first, um, my, my book release party. Mm-hmm. And... Um, of course, my son was there, and I gave him my, you know, he, of course, he had my book, and, um, you know, in the very beginning of my book, you know, he opened it up, in the very beginning, uh, I say, look, there's a, you know, there's a, um, I dedicated it to you, and it read, dedication to my son, and it said, always remember how perfect and significant you are in the canvas of this universe. And he just looked at it, and I, I just, what came out of him, he just said, oh, he said, I didn't know you dedicated it to me. Like, he was just, I don't know, he was just so grateful. And I felt like, why wouldn't I? You know, you're my son. But see, these are the things, as parents, mm-hmm. we kind of, we take for granted. And so to see that, how, how loved he felt and how special he felt, and, and, and he loved what I wrote in, in, in the dedication um, he just felt 
really, again, he just felt love for himself. And I saw that in him. And he felt very loved for me. I mean, he always feels love for me. But when you see your child really feel special about themselves, it's really pretty cool, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was, I think, one of the most um, compelling moments for me because then he turned around and said, I'm really proud of you, Mom. Which is, you know, look, you have your child, your child is a young adult and, you know, like you don't really look for your child to say that. But when they do, I was like, then I was really compelled to get my book out there because I thought, well, this is coming from my son. You know, I said, okay, I go, this is, I now I'm really compelled to get my book out there and, um, and just get the word out there and kind of reach the masses, uh, with my, with my, my story and my vision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So true. Where can someone go to buy your book, get more information about you and the services you offer? Okay, great. So, of course, Amazon.com. It's available internationally. And um, also you can go to my website and on my website, lilysanders.live, L-I-L-Y-S-A-N-D-E-R-S. You can order it from there. You can also order it from there through Amazon. I have the link on my website as well or, um, or from my publisher. And it will come from me personally. And uh, through my website, I can autograph it for you if you want. Uh, as far as my services – Look, no matter what you do, uh, I'd like all the listeners to definitely pick up a copy of Truth to Triumph, but also go to my website, avail yourself to all those pages, lilysanders.live. I, um, I, I, I do remote coaching. So I actually, I actually coach people, uh, as long as they speak English, I coach people around the globe. So I work with people, uh, you know, from England. I work with people from the West Coast. I work with people from, you know, just it doesn't matter where you're from. As long as you speak, we speak the same language, we're good. We're good to go. And that's the <laughs> beauty of remote. That's why we could be here today, right? And we can be, you know, all these people can be tuning in. And that's the beauty of it. So I do remote coaching. I have my own, you know, video chat room. Uh, some people I coach uh, just by telephone because that's what they prefer. But we um, so go to my website, lilysanders.live, for coaching and also for go to my media page and also go to my speaking page to book in speaking engagements. Um, there's a nice amount of information on there for speaking engagements, so people can you know avail themselves to that as well. I am offering all of your listeners today a free ebook on my site. Soul Bread, Daily Affirmations That Feeds the Soul. So just get on there, scroll down a little bit, sign up for Lily's E-Notes and E-Quotes, and you could download uh, a really great practical uh, book of affirmations that I put together. It's just 12 affirmations, and I highly recommend everyone uh, download that book. And, um, and I have an e-course on there as well that is uh, life-changing. Wonderful. What is next for you? Uh, what is next for me is I am um, starting to write uh, another book. Um, I'm in the creative stages of it right now, and I don't know if it will be a screenplay or uh, a novel, but if it's a novel, it will be something that I write so that it could be adapted into a screenplay. Um, you know, my vision, my, my long-term vision really is to uh, produce entertainment, Johnny, that really inspires and promotes uh, positive social change. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I like to spread awareness on real topics, 
um, but possibly, you know, in a fiction setting so that it, you know, it's entertaining people, but it's also spreading awareness and it's also giving a message of love. You know, my message is always love and, and that's what I do. So, um, yeah, what's next for me is I'm writing this and um, I'm actually looking um, for talk show opportunities. Fantastic. By the way, mm-hmm. we're coming close to the end of the show. Since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Yes, a recipe for living. Um, sure. My recipe for living is, is almost like Harry Connick Jr.'s recipe for love song. It's like, you know, of course, <laughs> you know, so because recipe for living is really all about love. And so I'm glad you asked this because um, – I have seven ingredients, seven ingredients in, in my recipe for living. So is everyone ready? So I call this the seven gateways to triumph. And the seven gateways are the seven ingredients. Love, forgive, tribute, choice, shift, freedom, and hold. Those are the seven ingredients. And if anyone wants to learn more about those ingredients, that's that's the that's that life changing e course that I was telling you about the seven gateways uh, mm-hmm. to triumph is on my website seven gateways to triumph and that's an e course and each each you know each course talks about each of these gateways you know love I I always believe and you know that I say this in truth to triumph you know it is the stimulus for everything in life and it's the yeast that develops and gives rise to our daily bread. And uh, all the recipes follow, all the, the ingredients follow after love. Fantastic. Lily, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Tuesday morning, May 22nd. My guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Empowered Woman a collection of 101 stories about being confident, courageous, and your true self. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed week. Lily, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure here, too. Thank you. You, too. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.